Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. I want to welcome Megan and Samantha to the show and tell our listeners what it is in one sentence that you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. So Flock and Gabble is a platform that powers creative connections, collaborations, and conversations among female entrepreneurs. That was super succinct. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so tell us then, with Flock and Gable, walk us through a little bit of history about each of you, because I know you have full-time jobs, so what do you do? And then we'll get into more about the story of how Flock and Gable came about. Yeah, so Megan, do you want to go first? Yeah, so I was a software engineer at a consultancy, and then I spent a few months at a startup before deciding to step away from the industry and pursue photography. Um, And now I am in part-time photography, and then the rest of my time is spent building Flock and Gabble, which is back into software. So it's been a fun journey. (laughs) Yeah, and I am Sam. I am our co-founder, and I work right now um, in real estate, which I have a full-time job, and I love my full-time job, and I've had enough jobs that I didn't love that I know how lucky I am to love my full-time job. Um, But I actually started out as a lawyer, and then I was a wedding planner, and then I found my way into real estate. So I have no software experience. <laughs> and I actually uh, fell into what is now Flock and Gabble because I was kind of a half-hearted style blogger in law school. Like I was the worst <laughs> style blogger who ever blogged. I was truly bad at it. But it was like drinking money, right? I was like, I like clothes and I like drinking money. I can make this work. Um, and then after, um, after about a year after I'd been out of law school, I started a podcast and in searching for kind of guests for that show is kind of where I came across the idea for what we're doing now. Awesome. Okay. I do want to dive in, Megan, you were a software engineer and then you left and I mean, what was that journey when you left a full-time job to make the decision to take that leap? Yeah, it was a hard one. It was (laughs) huge. I went to school for engineering. Um, I have school loans for engineering. I had spent a lot of years in engineering. Um, And just the kind of the more I climbed the ladder, the more I hated going to work every day. Um, my, I was at a consultancy, which was traveling, travel consultants. Um, and so Monday through Thursday, I was on the road and then the weekend was spent traveling and I just lived for the weekends. Like I lived for traveling and just kind of dreaded those (laughs) days at work. So I made the, you know, after much debating and a big push for my boyfriend, um, decided to finally leave, um, got into photography and I had kind of been into it through traveling. Um, and then when I met Sam and we started about flock and gabble, it was literally the day, you know, maybe a week or two after I had finally told John, my boyfriend, like, okay, that's it. Like I'm leaving the industry. I'm done. (laughs) And all of a sudden she's like, so I have this idea. Gotcha. (laughs) How would you feel about building it? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. 
Was it hard for you when you took the leap or was it already set in your mind that you're doing it and you're emotionally detached from it? No, it was so hard. Um, there, I had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. Um, you know, I had spent all this time and money and it was a, an industry and a, a career I felt proud of, but I still wasn't happy in it. Um, which has been something that Flock has brought back is that I've just loved building it now. And I think really um, kind of finding a product that I really value um, and having a lot more of creative control on it. Um, I think consulting, they, you know, there's not much creativity in it. We were going into these projects where everything has gone wrong. Like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Mm. <laughs> that is why they hired us. Uh, so it was pretty unpleasant to go in and, um, and our job was basically to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now this, we're, we're building something that we really believe in and, you know, we've been talking to a, a lot of women and, um, being able to build it and see how it will affect them has been just a totally different experience and really have fallen in, lo in love with, um, softer again and it's how I originally got into the field so mm -hmm. what and one last question on your your journey yeah. you said that you you had to get over the shame or you experienced shame and guilt when you left the engineering industry because it's all you did for a really a majority part of your life how did you overcome that shame and the guilt because I would imagine that a lot of people have either experienced it or maybe they are experiencing it, especially some of the listeners on the show. Yeah, um, it's a good question because I, I mean, I remember even just telling my parents, <laughs> you know, like in their response, of course, now they're very supportive. But at first they were just like, why? Like, why are you going to pay a like, good, leave a good paying job to like discover what you want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was hard and it took, I think the people closest to me, you know, my boyfriend, my best friends were just my biggest support group through that, um, of me being like, I don't want to tell these people. And they're like, but do you remember how unhappy you were? Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of when I went back to is, you know, just how much I hated going into the office every day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a good answer to the shame question, but it was really, you just have to push through it. Like it sucks. Um, and it still was hard to tell people, you know, like I'm leaving my comfy job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure dealing with a lot of reactions of people like in disbelief and maybe not comprehending how, um, being able to take that, that leap. And Sam, you spent three years in law school and, I did. Came, you have this beautiful <laughs> law degree. And I mean, was it, did you experience anything of that sort when you decided, okay, I'm not going to practice law. I'm going to move into different industries and really figure out what it is that I want to do. Oh my God. Yeah. Like listening to this, we should go on podcasts more often because like I knew we had a very <laughs> similar story, but I did not know we had an identical story. <laughs> like, and mine was a little different because I took the bar, I passed the Illinois bar, and I worked in an internship for three months after the bar exam, but I wasn't ever actually employed as a lawyer because I decided about a week after graduation that I was going to move to Chicago, so I didn't have connections, I had never interned here. It's a competitive market anyway, I think there's like five law schools in the city limits, but it wasn't a choice of like, 
you can come to Chicago and be a lawyer or you can be something else. It was like, you can be in Chicago or you can be a lawyer, but you don't get to be both. And I was mm. kind of nomadic in college. So like finding a place that I didn't want to leave was like, okay, so there's a choice here of like, I can have a job or I can have this place. And I, it was not hard at all for me to pick the place. It was hard for most people around me when I picked the place. Like, I think you... We think of our parents and we think of our friends and those are the people that you expect no matter what you do. Like I could kill someone and my parents would still love me, right? <laughs> like there's nothing I can do to make my parents not love me. But by that same token, there was nobody who was more terrified for me than my parents when I was like, I'm not going to be a lawyer because that was all like we had planned for. I was a pre-law major. I didn't have a backup plan. I just knew it wasn't right when I got here. So telling them that I think at first they were like, oh, don't doubt yourself. Like something will come along. It's going to get better. Don't get down on yourself. Keep applying. <laughs> and at first that was fine, right? Because you're like, okay, this is an okay transition. But then when it got to be like, no, I don't want to apply, that was a little bit tougher for them. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a tricky balance, I think, of all the years and all the time and all the money that you spend on something and then also people's expectations and not wanting to let them down. But in the end, I don't think it was. I couldn't have made the other choice. I didn't have the other choice to make. It wasn't mine. It was just the situation I was in. Um, and again, I don't think that's great advice because nobody wants to be told time heals everything. That sucks and is lame. It's true, but it sucks and it's lame. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag real talk. But I'm I'm thankful and grateful that you guys are sharing this too because it's a lot of the same processes or in the same um, story that a lot of women and individuals that I encounter have have similar and to your point it is it is time but for Sam for you I mean are there any do you ever experience moments where you think about what would life be like if I ended up becoming a lawyer or do you ever regret it <laughs> so my boyfriend's a lawyer oh and he's <laughs> he's great at his job and he loves his job and he nerds out over things that are like mergers and acquisitions and words I don't know and a lot of times like I feel like I'm a pretty smart person and I'm just nodding along like for the ride <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about so I have never regretted it not for a second and especially after seeing what he did like what he does every day I couldn't do what he does and granted we're in different types of law but every day that I see how much he how much he works and also how much he loves what he does I know that it wasn't me it was never me and I wish it wouldn't one part of me wishes it wouldn't have taken three years on a law degree to figure out that it wasn't me, but I'm glad I figured it out before I had a career in it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, though, that the law degree could probably come in handy here and there every once in a while to have that knowledge. <laughs> it's funny. I've talked to people and everyone likes to say, oh, you can do anything with a law degree. Well, you can also do anything without a law degree. So like, <laughs> sure, sometimes I think when I'm trying to console myself, I'm like, yeah, I have a law degree like this. This is easy. <laughs> Are you guys still there? Oh no, I can't hear you guys. Hello. Oh, that is so weird. I have no idea what just happened. Oh my gosh. Okay, can we talk <laughs> you back? I was like, I lost you. <laughs> no, I'm like talking. I was talking and they got really silent and I'm like, hello? Okay, <laughs> let me make a mark on here so I can, I know where it, it needs to get edited. Okay, perfect. Okay, now we're at the stage of flock and 
Gable. So tell us how, okay, walk us through how you guys met and then what did the conversation look like? And then how are you like, let's take this idea and actually put legs on it. Right. So last summer I'm uh, starting a podcast and I'm interviewing all these people who used to be in really traditional careers and then who went to something super creative. And I'm spending most of my time, I mean, I spend most of my day on Instagram anyway. I'm not going to play like that was a chore, but I'm trolling (laughs) Instagram and I'm searching Twitter and I'm trying to find these people because they don't make it obvious all the time, right? Like the people you're looking for are sometimes kind of hidden. So I'm searching for random things on Twitter and I'm going down all these rabbit holes on the internet. I was like, there has got to be an easier way to do this, right? Like it amazes me that there's nothing. So um, I'm also starting to get at that point um, a little bit more involved with like the Instagram community. And I had started, we went, we made our first Instagram meetup, the Chi-Town IG meetup. Hey everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a bunch of women who are on Instagram and who do that for fun and also for, for business. We met up in Chicago. And so I was kind of giving more value to the connections that you can make with people online. And I was also struggling with not being able to find them when I wanted them. I felt like it was more luck more than anything of finding these people I was looking for. Um, So I had this idea of like, oh, what if you could, (laughs) and this sounds so funny now, like based on what we're doing, I was like, what if they could check a box or something and you could like filter for them or (laughs) you could find them somehow, or maybe we would all like be in separate groups or something. I don't know. I didn't know what it looked like. I just know that knew that I wanted an easier way to find the people who are creative, who are doing things online, who were maybe near me, who were either in Chicago or maybe who specifically weren't in Chicago. Um, and I wanted an easier way to find them. So I'm doing this podcast and I'm searching for these people. And the funniest thing that I have about this is I had interviewed Julie DeCaro, who's a sports writer in Chicago. And this quote, and at the time it even stuck out to me. I was like, that's a weird thing to say. But she said this thing to me. She's like, you know what? Anytime you get an email from somebody you don't know, no matter what they're asking you, like you say yes. Every good thing that happens to me had has happened to me in my career happened because of an email from somebody I didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. And in my head, like I have a Midwestern mother. So I'm like, no, ma'am, that's how you get killed by a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> you do not say yes to you do not say yes to strangers. That is not a thing. Um, but then not to be too dramatic, (laughs) lo and behold, like a couple weeks later, I get an email in my inbox from this girl I've never met. Uh, and I'm going to let her tell that story. (laughs) Yes. So I had a similar story where I was beginning my, um, exploring photography and the same thing. I was spending hours searching Instagram. Um, and at the time I was just trying to find, you know, style bloggers in Chicago to take their pictures. Because, um, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it yet, and I figured they, you know, they always need pictures, so I'll start there. Um, and so I had reached out to Sam, and she just happened to say yes, mm. which is hilarious because she hates getting her picture taken. I do. So <laughs> she was super awkward turtle during the shoot. <laughs> I love the awkward turtle. And okay. cracking up hysterically. It was so bad. And literally, I was like, I got this email, and I was like, crap. I was like, I know like Julie's little voice is in my head. I was like, crap, I'm supposed to say yes to things like this, but I hate having my picture taken. And then I was like, oh, but this port, like this girl's trying to build her portfolio. Like what if no one's saying yes? Like obviously people are saying yes. Like people who like to style blog want their pictures taken. So like I was not doing her any favors, but in my head I was like, no, like she reached out, like I should say yes, like I should do this. But pro tip, if you don't like having your picture taken, (laughs) don't volunteer to have your picture taken for someone's portfolio. 
Yeah, that's so all. we left that shoot. <laughs> and I think we had agreed to meet for coffee again. We She had introduced me to Creative Chicks. She had um, set me up with an email for Melissa creative chick, uh, with Creative Chicks. Do they know um, what Creative Chicks is? Tell them what Creative Chicks is. Oh, no. So it's this meetup in Chicago. Um, it's networking. Yeah. Networking yeah, for it's, people meet yeah. up. And Melissa's awesome, and she's a founder. It's a small group networking that meets once a month in Chicago and a ton of other cities, actually, in the U.S. But it's my favorite networking group, and it's the only one I ever didn't feel like a super awkward turtle at, and I feel like an (laughs) awkward turtle in most places. So we met for coffee, and I was like, you should come to Creative Chicks. So I did, and that's where she started telling, you know, in that group where she started describing Flack and Gabal, and my engineer brain was just going off, like, wait, you're going to manually have them do that? You're going to manually have them enter that information? That's not going to work. Like, you obviously need to need to automate this. So that's kind of where it started, of where that conversation started, and then we both commiserated on, um, you know, finding people to collaborate with and the struggles we had um, in doing that. And she was throwing around really technical words like <laughs> you could do that with Instagram's API or you could build a this with this code. And literally I look, I was like about to cry. <laughs> I was like, sure, you could. I don't know. <laughs> so when you guys took it from, what was the step after taking it from the photo, you guys did the photo shoot, which Sam was like, nah, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, and then moving to the creative chicks. And then when did you guys start actually planning out the vision and everything for flock and Gable? Um, was it that night or did I wait a day? I like emailed you and I was like, you waited a day. I waited a day. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was trying to play hard to get. <laughs> so I emailed and I was like, so do you want to build it? <laughs> Is that something you'd want to – because I know we had, like, briefly talked about how she, like, just got out of software and was so happy to be doing photography. And I was like, crap. <laughs> like, missed the boat on that one. Um, but, no, I emailed her and I asked, like, do you want to do this? And it was the most nerve-wracking, like, I don't know how long it was before you answered. It wasn't actually that long, but I was, like, sweating the whole time. I was like, crap. Like, I look like an idiot. And then she answered. She's like, yeah, that would be awesome. And I was so pumped. <laughs> I was so excited. And there were, I mean, there was so much to figure out. I didn't even know how much there was to figure out. And we had to have really, I mean, there's some tough conversations you have with somebody that you've met twice. Like, <laughs> What were some of the tough conversations that you guys had? Uh, like, what's important to both of us? Like, what's it going to look like? What percent, if this is a real company, like, who owns what? Like, what percentage of that? That's an awkward conversation to have with somebody you don't really know. That's a weird one. Um... We talked about that. We talked about what it would look like. We talked about what we wanted it to do, what we didn't want it to do. Um, yeah, stuff like that. There was like a that. lot of coffee and a lot of there wine. Was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of wine, especially there was one night where there was a lot of wine. If you were to give one piece of advice to anyone who's listening, thinking about going into a potential partnership, what what would be one piece of advice from either one of you can give one or you both can give one piece of advice, but what would it be? Um, I think it's open communication, um, kind of setting the expectations beforehand of just what you're both expecting out of this, um, and following up with that, you know, like continuing, continuously having that conversation, 
Um, just communication is the most important thing, I think. Yeah, and saying what you mean. Like, I felt like when we first started talking about it, I was trying to be nice, and I was like, oh my God, like, she just wants <laughs> to do photography now. Like, I don't want to take up all of her time. So I was assuming all of these things about how involved she wanted to be, and I was assuming all of these things about, like, what each of us would be doing without ever actually, like, asking, what do you want out of it, or what will we both be doing? And that probably made a lot of it harder than it had to be than if it because it feels awkward. It feels awkward to say those things out loud. And for whatever reason, like when it's talking about money or it's talking about an idea that's like my baby at that point, um, both of those things make it really hard to say it out loud. But once we both just said it out loud, it was a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So I would say open communication. Just say, say, this is my favorite. I listen to Being Boss. It's a podcast a lot. And Kathleen and Emily say all the time, just say what you mean. And it's literally the best advice maybe ever for anything. Just say what you mean. I love it. Okay. What, and so now how long have you guys partnered at the, at this point? You guys have been in partnership with Flock and Gable for how long? Like Thanksgiving-ish, maybe October of 2015. Yeah, I think we met in maybe September. Yeah. August, so like fall. September. Yeah. What was the lead up? What was the lead up uh, like to the launch of Flock and Gable? And what were some of the things that you guys were really focused on making sure you you hit in the launch? Um, so here's the thing. <laughs> I went through a phase where I was like, we are not a content site. This is a this is a thing that we are building and it is not content and all these kinds of things. And then I think somewhere before Christmas, I just kind of sprang on Megan like, hey, by the way, I've invited like 150 people to do interviews on our website. I hope that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But it just kind of occurred to me like it's not it's not our it wasn't our story. Like it wasn't something that was just for the two of us. It was something that was so much bigger. And if it was going to be bigger, we needed to involve a lot more people in it. And before I was a lawyer, I was a journalism major because I like to pick things that survive bad economies, apparently. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So that was like, that was my skill. And it felt like ignoring that was kind of silly because that question asking and that writing, like that's what I could contribute at that point um, to what we were doing and to trying to build awareness around it and get people excited about it and give something people that they valued in those interviews that we do. so that's kind of where the idea for the interviews came from. I love to interview, obviously. I love to ask people questions. Um, so it felt like kind of a natural thing to do when we wanted we wanted to be opening conversations anyway with creative women so we could figure out how to help them. Mm-hmm. How did you guys come up with the name of Flock and Gable? Uh, I was going to name something after Flamingo, like... I don't know. It was going to be a business or a dog or a fish or something. But I was <laughs> I was going to name something after Flamingo. And actually, originally, it was just Flamingo. But I don't know what about that felt weird to me. Um, so before I'd actually met Megan, I had been working on it. Um, and it just struck me, like, if you want people to find your people, right? You want to find the people who get you. You want to find your tribe, I think, is the big thing that a lot of people say. And to me, it was like, find your flock. Mm-hmm. right your flock of people and there's that saying that if you you should be a flamingo and a flock of pigeons and i remember thinking like well if you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with like i sure as hell don't want them to be pigeons <laughs> well, I, I want them to be considerably more awesome than pigeons and i don't know it was like a unique look from like a practical point it's a very unique looking bird like it's a unique like brand mark right it's like distinctive and it's pink, which Megan hates. <laughs> pink, and it's fun, and it's my grandma's second favorite bird. So 
hi grandma hi nanny uh, so yeah it just felt really natural especially when we were trying to convince people to like build their creative communities it felt like a cute way to say that was find your flock um gabble i can blame on the san diego zoo because i was trying to think of like something like well how do they communicate and i would sit in bed literally and ask my boyfriend like how what do you think of what what noise do you think a flamingo makes it's like i, I don't know <laughs> what are you talking about so i'm googling like what noise does a flamingo make and the San Diego Zoo tells me that they gabble. So here we are. Here we are with a flock and a gabble. Um, I don't name. Be careful when you name things. It's super catchy. I think I, I like it, but that's just my two cents. Thanks. I like it. It's just hard. And it was hard to brand, right? It's like an F, a G, a hieroglyph, a weird bird. And <laughs> do with that what you will. But I think it fits what we do. And it's it's a fun analogy for people. Um, and flamingos are cute. I'm not going to pretend they're not. So then your website is adorable as well. So I'm assuming Megan, you built, you took the reins and built that, but you guys both came together in the design and the branding and it's beautiful. Thank you so much. It's very beautiful. Okay. I want to talk about, uh, the collaboration piece in the sense of, um, flock and Gable and, Talking through some of the uh, topics of that, just with collaboration is such a big thing these days. And, you know, how do you do it? What's appropriate? What way do you do it? And just from your perspective, why is collaboration important? You want to go first? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, at least for me, is um, collaborating opens you up to, you know, new opportunities and creations um, that you just couldn't achieve on your own. And it really elevates everyone involved. I mean, just thinking of what Flock and Gabble has become with the two of us together, I don't think either one of us could have done this alone. Um, I mean, we could have, but it would have turned out totally different, you know? <laughs> um, so it really just elevates everyone involved and it lifts up the community because of it. Um, I think my favorite thing, so one of our launch pieces was this thing called our collaboration guide. And we asked nine women who we think are awesome to contribute to this guide. And it's got a hundred different ways that women can collaborate. Um, and one of my favorite things that anyone said, it's Ashley Bowden from Fire and Wind Co. She said that some of the best creativity doesn't come from one person, but when a group of people come together to do something epic, there are things that you'll never be able to achieve on your own, things that you can only do by inviting other people into your story. And yeah, she is way more eloquent than I am. So I just love that version of why collaboration is important. And I think it challenges you to explore being creative, working with other people, getting out of your comfort zone and making friends. Like Making friends is hard. I didn't realize how hard it was after college, but we have this incredible opportunity with all the things that you're able to do online, creating your own career or just creating your own creative outlet. And I think missing the opportunity to actually build genuine, actual relationships with people is, it's a huge missed opportunity. And I would love it. Like literally my big dream. Like I was like, if we could ever, like somebody tags me on Instagram, like, oh my God, we met, like we met on Flock and Gabble and we did this and now we're best friends. I will just like fall over and die on the spot. Mm. That's the dream. I love it. What are, what have you guys found to be true about some do's and some don'ts when it comes to reaching out to others for collaboration? I think what I would say when I reach out to people for interviews is 
the do is to be really genuine. Like I don't hold back on my gushing when I ask people to be in an interview. I was like, I think you're awesome. Here's why I think you're awesome. Like you made a really funny comment in this Facebook group, or I always see your name in this Facebook group. And I think your advice is always great. Or I love this article that you wrote, or I love what you do. Or I can't imagine drawing, like I can draw a stick Santa Claus. I don't know how you do what you do. So don't be shy about like gushing about why you think they're awesome because if you didn't think they're awesome, you probably shouldn't be asking them to collaborate in the first place. Pro tip. <laughs> um, but my second, my don't is to don't put yourself down. Um, a lot of what we hear from our audience is like they're afraid of not being big enough. They're afraid of not being taken seriously. They're like, I don't think I have anything to offer this person. I don't have a million Instagram followers. I'm new. I don't think that I have anything to contribute. And I think my big don't is like, don't put yourself down when you're asking somebody. Don't say things like, don't qualify it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Don't say, I don't have, I don't have that many followers, but, or I just got started, but, or I'm no, I'm not in your league, but mm. you know, don't, don't put yourself down when you're asking that because you're a hundred, a hundred percent of the time you are the only thing, you're the only person who thinks that about yourself. Mm-hmm great advice about the not qualifying yourself uh any other do's or don'ts that you recommend to people uh so there's gushing about them and and sharing that (laughs) anything else that comes to mind for either of you no i'm i mean yes i can go on for days (laughs) (laughs) um or just or things that you might uh, advise, like if people are listening mm-hmm. and there are some tips and tricks about getting someone to collaborate with, with you that you found that's super helpful. So I think my big one is, um, and we go over this a little bit, we have a free email course that's coming out. It's not out today, but it will be out by the time this episode airs. It's called our Collaboration Camp, Collab mm. Camp. And one of the things we walk people through is that asking the first time is scary and hard, Right sending set or pressing send on that first email is terrifying for whatever you've built up in your head you know whatever you're assuming the other person is going to think about you pressing send that first time is hard but that's not where it ends after you invite somebody i have invited people to our podcast and over the course of two months i have followed up with them four times and every time i say something a little different i'm like hey just checking in wanted to see how it's going wanted to see if you've had a chance to review the interview invitation that i sent you let me know if you have any questions here's my contact stuff, bye. And then the email after that is like, hey, I see you're doing, like, I loved this post that you wrote or I saw that you were featured here. It was so great. Um, not if you don't think it's great, don't lie. <laughs> but I like try and find like what they're up to and like check in with them be like, just, just so you know, like we're still totally open to having you as a guest. We would love that, but I understand that you're busy. Here's my contact info, bye. And then the last time I follow up, I usually try not to spam people or stalk them. So I limit it to like three or four, but my last one is like, okay, here's the deal. This is the last email I'm going to send you. I don't want to spam your inbox, but anytime you want to work with us, just reach out. Like we're always here. And I have gotten three responses after that last email, like maybe a couple weeks after that last email, like, Oh my God, my inbox is a disaster. Thank you for staying on top of it. Um, I've never, I'm not saying everybody responds because I don't think you can expect everyone to always respond to you because some people just won't, but I have never had somebody be like, Oh my God, go away. (laughs) there's never been a response that was annoyed never been a response that was like get out of here it was always thank you for being persistent thank you for reminding me like I'm super busy and I think it's funny because if if I don't answer an email to somebody I feel horrible right I'm like oh my god I'm the worst 
I like, I've been doing all these other things and I forgot to respond. But if someone doesn't respond to me, I'm like, they hate me. She thinks I'm stupid and she hates me and it's a bad idea. She's laughing at me over perfect brunch with all of her perfect Instagram friends. Um, but I think it's important to know that that first ask is it can't be where you stop because if you stop there, I mean, we wouldn't have half of the interviews we had if we had only sent one email and expected everyone to get in touch with us right away. So I think following up is really important. That would actually be my number one thing. So if you're not going to follow up, don't send the first email. Mm, that's such great, great advice. Okay. I know you guys had mentioned that you're developing an app. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that <laughs> Megan? Tell us about yeah, the Tell us more. What is this app? How do we get our hands on it? When's it launching? So it's at flock.flockandgabble.com. Um, we are building. It's currently in progress. It will probably, I don't know when this will air, but probably May, early May. Maybe live by then. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we're building a platform to foster collaboration and really, um, really focusing on taking the pain out of that search. Like we both spent so many hours searching for that perfect collaborator. Um, so we're going to focus on that and as well as on um, generating ideas and connections for you to run with. Um, so we've also, you know, we've been publicizing a bunch of interviews, but we've also been interviewing creatives to kind of see um, how, you know, what their struggles are and how we can help them with this um, product and this platform. Um, so it's really Oh, I don't even, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of features, you know, so, um, the biggest thing is that we're trying to connect people. We're trying to match, you know, a lot of what we've heard is I really want to collaborate. Um, I don't have the time to come up with the idea and, you know, this is my side hustle and I don't have the time to find someone else and then make sure that this is their side hustle too. Um, so we're really taking a lot of criteria to kind of match you with someone that's great to collaborate with. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like you log in. Well, we're the only ones who can log in right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we log in and I can go in there and from the pool of people that we have, I can search for them based on what they create. So if they're like a maker of physical things or if they're a content creator, I can search for them based on what they do. I can search for them based on what they produce. I can search for them based on where they live. Um, and I can search for them based on what kind of content they create. Like if I'm looking for a food blogger or if I'm looking for a travel photographer um, or if I'm looking for a business podcaster, those are all criteria that you would be able to put in and find the people in our pool who match that, which is really fun. That's an, that's amazing. Then that's such a great idea to do an app and because it's so seamless with people. You, we use apps all the time to do so many things. What has it been like? designing it or how long have you guys been designing it and what type of roadblocks if any have you run into when it comes to the whole process of building this app yeah um so we've been building it for probably two three months now um (laughs) a lot of what we started at you know we kind of had our own ideas um going in and and we really wanted to validate that so a big part of it has been talking to other people um, convincing them to let us pick their brains, <laughs> um, and really just let them complain to us. You know, we, we start the conversations with, we just want to know, like, what are your struggles? Um, you know, it's aimed towards creative entrepreneurs and, um, I don't know. I think there's 
one of the biggest things has been the focus on the features, you know, like, um, I think I like, I'm amazed if you've ever tried to build a website, like if you've ever <laughs> tried to like, I don't know, change your own Squarespace theme, think of like trying to do that if Squarespace didn't exist yet. Like think of it if you had to build Squarespace and then you had to put a theme on it. So every time <laughs> Megan's like, oh, I did this today. I'm like, I don't know how you did that today, <laughs> but cool. <laughs> but uh, but we're just trying to like when people come and talk to us and we say like, they're like, oh, I don't know what I would do. Because, I mean, people are pretty vague, right? It's hard to know what you don't know. It's hard to, like, articulate where you're struggling. So if people say to us, like, I I would love to work with somebody, but I don't know what we'd work on that hasn't been done a hundred times. So we try and find a way to help them search for both a person who would be really great for them to work with and an idea. Mm -hmm. So it's the connection of those two things. So we have, like, a a more almost a directory kind of thing for the people and then an idea base for what kind of things could you do with this kind of person. So if you both want to create something, like a physical product, what could you – like, what could you do if you work mostly in travel and she works mostly in health and fitness? What kind of products could you create together? Just opening up those kind of channels so people can start brainstorming. Um, I think the most challenging part for me has been trying to figure out how to be useful to Megan because (laughs) it's easy to ask people those questions and when they say things to you, you're like, cool, I know how my brain would figure it out, but how's a computer going to figure it out? How can we put it into like an analytical like data way that she can program into something that works? So, because you can't just tell a computer like, well, yeah, that's logical. Like, well, yeah, show me what travel bloggers (laughs) are doing. You can't put travel blogger into a computer and it doesn't know what you're talking about. So finding those criteria um, that are that are logical and that are analytical, like data points, has been really interesting. It's like a totally different way of thinking about things. Yeah, I think one of our most um, popular, probably the most popular answer to, you know, well, how do you find people to collaborate with or how do you tell if it's a good person? It's, well, I look at their Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So what are you looking at? What are you looking for? And that, you know, really trying to quantify that um, into something that we can build an algorithm against, you know, like how can we match up your Instagrams without having to manually look at your Instagram? (laughs) Siri, my Instagram. (laughs) That is so, that's so crazy to even think about that and how to, to build that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm so excited you don't even for you guys. Want to know my, you don't want to know what my version of this would look like. It looks like little kid who's like duct taping a box together. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, kind of in, in segueing into landing the plane, I've got a couple of last questions, and one of them is, what helps you both since you hold full time jobs or part time gigs, but you're doing a lot of different things? What is what is something that you do that helps you maintain focus and your energy like running and, and doing multiple things? Cause everyone's is different. So for me, it's especially right now with where we are with flock, like I'm basically working on that around the clock in every spare <laughs> moment. So for me, it's really been designating non-work days. Um, you know, it's, before that it was, you know, nights, weekends, mornings, just all the time on it. Um, and then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, like I need a break. So it's, you know, setting up that time in advance of knowing like this Sunday, I'm not even going to open my laptop. Um, I think that's really helped me to just refreshing myself and balancing out that energy. Mm-hmm. Can I share my tip and then can I rant? I w- girl, it's all, <laughs> it's all, you guys have the mic. 
<laughs> so my my tip is, or I guess my thing that helps me get through it is that I use my lunch breaks. My lunch breaks are like my <laughs> me time. Like I love lists. I'm a list fanatic. And so I use my lunch break. I'm like, what do I want to get done when I get home tonight? Who do I need to answer? Like what emails do I need to answer? What do I need to do before I can go to bed? What do I need to do before I can get done? Um, so I think of my lunch break as like my me time, which really helps, especially when you're working full time to like break out in the day and plan how you can use your night. So by the time you get home and you're tired, you're not like, I quit. Mm-hmm. Um, my second piece is also kind of like Megan said, been like listening to myself and giving myself a break. Like when we were launch month, I was working on it all the time, all the time. And I was excited to work on it. I was pumped to come home and work on it. But then when it got to the point, that's inevitably, you can't keep going that way forever. Like you're going to burn out. And so it was giving myself a little space. And instead of being like, oh my God, you're lazy. You don't want to work on it again today. Like what's (laughs) wrong with you? Like Mm -hmm. this is a, obviously this is a bad idea if you're not that into it being like, no, I've worked on it every day for three weeks. Like I need a, I need a day off, like being nice to yourself that way. I think is really important because it's so easy to get caught up in it and there's so much we want to do and I'm never like I'll be laying in bed and I'll have four new ideas for like stuff we could do Uh, (laughs) so it's like it's letting yourself turn off I think without feeling guilty which is huge um but my rant here's my rant I'm in a lot of Facebook groups I love Facebook groups I do I love them um but I see a lot of people who are like, oh my God, I have to get it. Like I, this isn't working. I have to get a job. I have to get like, I need, I need money. I need whatever, like medical things have happened. I need a full-time job. I need a part-time job. Like I need to get through it, but I'm afraid of what other people are going to think, or I feel like I've failed. And it makes me so angry every time because there's somehow like it's implied if, if you're if you call yourself a creative person or if you want to say that you're an entrepreneur, that if you also are supplementing that with a part-time job or you're working full-time, that you're not taking it seriously or that you're playing it safe or that you want to be comfortable or all of these things. And I see people like just like racked with guilt, like what does it mean if I need a part-time job? It means you need a part-time job. Mm -hmm. It means you need like that stability or it means you need that right now. It doesn't mean you need it forever. But I like my whole body like rejects this idea that like, oh, you're giving up if you get a job because I love, I love my full-time job. That's like a nerdy thing to say, but I love my job so much. And I could not be a creative person when I got home if I didn't have that right now. And maybe it won't be that way forever. But in like this season, I cannot imagine being able to come home and let my brain be creative if I was also panicking like, right, but how am I going to buy groceries? Like, how am I going to go to Target? Um, So I guess if you're in that space where you're either working on something after your full-time job or you're working on something after your part-time job, or if you've been doing it things on your own for a while and like you're thinking, crap, maybe I need to go back and do something else for a while, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty about it and don't let anybody tell you that it's wrong. Um, (laughs) I, I wound up with a law degree I don't use because I convinced myself that other people knew it was better for me than I did. And I believe that. So own the fact that you know what's best for you. And if that's what you need right now, there's no shame in it. And that is the end of my rant. That's my that's my job rant. Amen, sister. I need no, like a little outro song. That was so that was so great. And I, I couldn't agree more with you. And something you had mentioned too about having your full-time job and then allowing you to be creative at like during the evenings. And I've found personally that it for me, I'm more, the more structure I have when I'm traveling on the road for projects, the more I actually get done because then I'm not allowed, like I have very specific times that I have to get it done. And yeah, completely agree with you. Okay. 
what is what's one tool that each of you use in your day-to-day life whether it's an app or it's online and it helps you in some way shape or form in your life so right now my tool is trello and that is where we're checking (laughs) that's gets super nerdy but that's how we're tracking all of our features and all of our possible features basically anything that's going on that platform is tracked in there and it's been a lifesaver um it's just I spend hours in there now. <laughs> <laughs> I get I need to turn off one of my notifications because I get a Trello <laughs> notification when she moves something and then I get an email. <laughs> <laughs> so like when she's on a roll, I'll like I'll look down and I'll have twenty emails and twenty <laughs> Trello notifications. I was like, ah, I forgot to update my settings. <laughs> <laughs> um kind of again, I use Again, it's for Gmail because like the Gmail, like the promotions and the social tab and the normal tab, like that doesn't make sense to my brain. So I have it turned off and then to coordinate all of the interviews we have going on, all the content we have going on, um, Streak lets you put things into pipelines. So it's sort of kind of like a tag or something you can make like natively in Gmail, but it lets you like designate stages in your in your inbox so like for an interview I have like I've invited them I'm following up with them I they have said yes I have sent them their questions they have sent me their questions back this post is in draft this post is published and I can just click and drag them like through the little process so I have like a visual aid of where publication process so I literally don't know what I would do without streak Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to check that out. I've never heard Do of it. Do it. Oh, it's magical. <laughs> That's why I love asking these questions because then right. you learn You know some... how Calendly changes your life when you're oh. scheduling things? Absolutely. Hey there, She Did It Her Way listeners. I am so excited to share with you uh, an upcoming venture that we are launching starting April 1st. It's called the Her Way Challenge. It's a 15-day challenge. You sign up and you'll get a series of videos that will help guide you and will give you inspiration and help you start taking action towards one of your most important goals. If you're listening and wondering whether or not you should sign up, I highly encourage you to sign up for this challenge, especially if you're someone who are fi- you're finding yourself just completely lost, lacking direction, not really sure of what you want out of life, not really sure what you want out of the next steps that are coming and that you're, you're taking, and you just you need some kick in the pants, and you also need that community to help support and guide you. And this is exactly here for you. Not only will you get the challenge and you sign up and you get the emails, but I also encourage you to make sure you go to Facebook and sign up in the group Her Way Challenge group where you'll be supported. Make sure you invite your friends, you introduce yourselves because the more the merrier. And I know specifically for me that it's been my support and the people that I surround myself with that has allowed me to reach all the goals that I've accomplished this far in my life. So from me to you, I'm looking forward to seeing you in the challenge and in the Facebook group. To officially get started, make sure you head on over to herwaychallenge.com and claim your spot today. What other resources do you guys recommend to our listeners? Obviously, Flock and and gable but um anything outside of that yeah so i have one that i love my i walk to work every day and i walk home from work and that's my podcast time and Mm -hmm. there is a show it's called the fizzle show and it is 
oh my God, I don't want to met. This is so nerve wracking. Literally, if I met, the, there's four hosts. And if I met them, it would be like somebody meeting the freaking Beatles. Like I would die. Um, so it's Steph Crowder, Chase Reeves, Corbett Barr, and Barrett Brooks. And I adore them. And I like, I'm like the nerd walking down the sidewalk, giggling to this podcast. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but it's just like the energy of four people. And like Chase does voices. And it's like all the weird voices that are in my head. Like I go British for a second, right? He goes way <laughs> over the top. It's like my brain. Um, I adore that show. And then the other two that I'd recommend, no matter where people are, one is Creative Chicks, which is the networking group where we met. Um, the other one is a group that I started going to more recently in Chicago. They're also in New York and I think LA. And they're spreading. It's called Six Degrees Society. And I love it. It's um, So Creative Chicks is like a small group networking thing of 10 people. But Six Degrees Society is however many people come, you get four curated matches in an hour. So oh like gosh. ahead of time, em yeah, Emily, who's a founder, uh, she's like Speedy Gonzalez. Like she's just like all over the place and totally controlled at the same time, right? I don't know how she does it, but she curates from all the people who are coming to this event matches for people. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so everybody gets like a match that she thinks that you would get along with and you talk to four people for 15 minutes at each event. Um so there, those are like two of my favorite, and I hate networking. I hate it. At least I used to hate it, but those are like my. Those are my. I don't know. They changed my mind. I'm a convert. Awesome. And then Megan, do you have any resources that you would recommend? So I was going to answer Creative Chicks to that one, um, which Sam already did. But I it's know great. I it's didn't how mean we met. to. <laughs> intimate i'm a total introvert so having such a small group um totally took away a lot of uh my fear um <laughs> uh, so yeah you should look it up i know they're expanding a lot right now <laughs> i didn't just steal it i'm sorry they're growing <laughs> melissa's doing amazing and she all you guys for listening she's episode 13 on the she did it her way podcast and she's <laughs> An amazing person and definitely check out Creative Chicks. Um, she's a unicorn. Yeah. She's just a solid human being. Right. Yes. I love how we're girl crushing. Right? <laughs> we do that a lot. That's like my favorite. Sorry, I don't want to like tangent on you, but that's my favorite. We ask all of our guests on our interviews, like, who are three women, name three women that you admire, right? Like brag on three people that you admire. And every morning when we post an interview, I get to email those three people and be like, Somebody thinks you're awesome. <laughs> and it's my favorite three emails that I send every day. Like, I, like, get all giddy about it. And people answer. Like, it's insane to me, the people who answer. And they're like, oh, my God, this made my day. Thank you so much. And it's, like, massive people. It's like, you're reading this email? Like, this is so cool. But those – so that's my nerdy, like, favorite email to send. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. What is – for the last question – actually, second to last question, I take it back <laughs> – but the last real true uh, meaty question is, what is one piece of advice that you'd have for our listeners given your personal journey in entrepreneurship? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Um, oh, that's a good one. So I think mine would be, I'm a big runner. So this has been kind of my slogan for a while from an ultra running book of relentless forward progress. Um, and I think for me, especially in my journey when I quit and then I was trying to rediscover what I was doing um, and what I wanted to do, it's so easy to, to just not do anything. 
Um, and so just to know, like, just keep taking baby steps, even if you're not sure that they're the right steps, like just continue taking them because they will lead somewhere. You know, if I had chickened out and never emailed people to <laughs> photograph, you know, like I never would have met Sam. So you just never know, like, just keep taking steps. Don't freeze and don't give up, you know? Mm-hmm. I think mine is kind of similar. Mine is that you don't just get one big screw up. Like you can, and I don't mean that in a super negative way, but I was afraid after after law school when it started to become apparent that I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I was afraid that like that was it. I was like, cool. Well, you're you're 25 and you've got your one your one big epic fail. That's all you get. <laughs> you're not allowed to ever change your mind again. And you super can't like you can't ever change your mind and you super can't ever quit at anything ever again because you're going to be a quitter and you're going to be lazy and you're going to be all these terrible things that you think people are thinking about you. And I think for me, the biggest thing is letting that go being like, okay, what are you going to do next? So next after that, I was a wedding planner. I love planning events and I love weddings, but I couldn't have been a wedding planner my whole life. So when I stopped doing that, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, okay, cool. So I just quit something else. Like (laughs) you're not a quitter. You just, you're a person, you're a human person who changes and that is fine. And that is not like a a fatal flaw. Um, So my advice would be that you can you can fail as many times as you can get back up. Like you don't, you don't just get one. There's so many, you guys are amazing with your little <laughs> nuggets of inspiration. I'm like writing all these downs and down and can't wait to tweet them and quote them. But I thank you guys so much for your time and your energy and just being able like be open and honest and sharing your experience with leaving your job and then launching this amazing network that you guys have coming and already existent and I can't wait for your app and I just thank you guys so much thank you for having us yeah thank you for having us on absolutely and the one last question is where in the world can I find those pink flamingo earrings on the website (laughs) oh girlfriend so you're gonna have to fight me for them so I'm gonna send you a picture of them so you can show people what they're talking about these are the creepiest earrings you've ever seen in your life they're made out of wood, and my delightful darling grandmother, who loves crazy earrings, gave them to me, and she's like, just look look how cute they are. Like, <laughs> you can wear these anywhere. The woman thinks that, like, carved wooden flamingo earrings are, like, a closet staple, and that they are versatile, and they're, like, the, they're the new little – wooden flamingo earrings are the new little black dress. Um, so if you want a pair of your own, I will ask Nanny, and she can direct you to a flea mart in Kansas where you could go and purchase <laughs> a pair for your own. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.
Hey, She Did It Her Way listeners, Amanda here, your host, and I want to share with you guys that I'm excited that She Did It Her Way has partnered with your podcast guru to help produce audios and logistics for the show, She Did It Her Way. If any of you are looking to get into podcasting, definitely check out yourpodcastguru.com.